Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, hey everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We are back once again and we're five days away. We are five days away from the anniversary. It's been four years. Four years. I didn't even know it was. I've been doing this for that long. Good grief. The four-year anniversary of Cody's Car Conundrum. How about that, right? And there's no better way to start off the, uh, you know, the pre-anniversary by starting off with Geneva. In fact, it's probably going to be the only thing that I do because Geneva is such a big auto show. A lot of stuff goes on, so it's gonna. This is gonna be a lot to cover. Okay, I've just been immediately informed that I am wrong and am a moron. Three years. We've been doing this for three years, but still, that's a long time. Although I kind of knew three years, not four. Anyway, we've been doing it for three years, and what better way than to cover Geneva? All of Geneva. Before the three-year anniversary. So, first, Toyota plans to bring an EV to Europe by 2021. It could be the electric CHR. E E.Go Mobile unveils life production EV, and it almost looks like, I mean, it actually doesn't look a lot like the Google car at all. Hispano Souza, Magari HS1, that's, that's some name. GTC boasts 1,070 horsepower and 236 mile per hour top speed. Geneva's other Hispano Souza is a twin turbo supercar that costs 2.5 million. Oh dear. Lagonda all-terrain electric SUV concept is a photographer's nightmare. Aston says SUVs and electrification are the dominating trends, and the Lagonda embraces both. I haven't actually looked at it very much. The Fornazerai 311 GT looks Italian, but is actually a coachbuilt Corvette. And not a very big fan of that. The very long in the tooth 2019 Alfa Romeo Giulietta gets minor updates and six new packages. By the way, let's see what this Ego Mobile thing looks like. German EV startup E.Go Mobile has been in the news over the past few days as VW has confirmed it as the first recipient of its MEB platform following the company's decision to open its EV architecture to other car makers. While E.Go Mobile hasn't announced yet which MEB-based model it would build, word on the street is VW might outsource production of the ID buggy to the Archean-based company, and I think I got that right. Until we have an official confirmation, Confirmation on that, it's worth noting that the E.Go Mobile has a stand of its own at the Geneva Motor Show with four premieres on display. For starters, the company has brought the series production version of the E.Go Mobile E.Go. That's like saying the, the C apostrophe D from Top Gear. The E.Go Life Electric City Car, which enters, which enters production this month. There's also a sporty take on the car called the E.Go Life Concept Sport, as well as other concept called E.Go Lux. First things first, the E.Go Life production car is a four-seater, short-range EV that will go into production in, mid in mid-March at the company's Achean plant, with delivery scheduled to begin in early May 2019. Featuring a space frame made of aluminum profiles and plastic outer skin, the E.Go Life is light and very reasonably priced, for an EV anyway. Slightly shorter than the Fiat 500, which is no small feat, the no-frill city car starts at $17,850 in Germany, well, $15,900, I'm assuming euros, but that's $17,850 in Germany for the Life 20 version. That's actually, what do you mean that's EV, for, that's affordable for an EV at least? 
That's affordable full stop. That's just that's just affordable without the for an EV at least modifier. That is completely affordable. For that money, customers get a 14.9 kilowatt battery, a 27 horsepower electric motor, and 121 or 70 uh, kilometer, 121 kilometers or 75 miles of any of Ned C measured range, NECD measured range. I don't know what you what you're gonna make of that. There are two other versions available: Life 40 and Life 60. Wait, 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 wait. 75 miles, eh, that's not bad. For something like, for a complete city car, I guess that's not too bad. That offer more power and long, longer driving range. E.Go already has 4,300 pre-orders for the Life EV. The E.Go Life Concept Sport unveiled in Geneva envisions a better equipped, sportier version of the electric city car. It features a bolder design, sporty chassis, and higher, and higher performance, although no specs were released. Additionally, it gets a better quality interior with a panoramic glass roof. E.Go Mobile also has two electric minibuses on display in Geneva. The E.Go Mover Near Production Concept previews a self-driving minibus with a capacity of up to 15 passengers. It will be built by E.Go Move, Move, a joint venture between E.Go Mobile and ZF, starting in April 2020. At first, it will be road-approved as a manually driven, sorry, yeah, as a manually driven vehicle. There's nothing there. It just goes next. It says, I, I modified it because what it says is it will be road approved as a manually driven, but in the future it's intended to be autonomous. It should say as a manually driven vehicle, I guess comma, but in the future it's intended to be autonomous thanks to the software and hardware architecture from ZF. Finally, the E.Go Lux is a luxury shuttle based on the mover. Intended for private trips, it can be used as a mobile conference or living room while on the move. Not bad. Next is the Lagonda SUV. Aston Martin's coming for the likes of the Tesla Model X and the Jaguar I-Pace with what they call the future of the luxury SUV. The Lagonda All-Terrain Concept. Celebrating its world premiere at the 2019 Geneva Motor Show, it offers a glimpse into the Lagonda design language first seen in the Vision Concept. And just like the latter, it's been partly inspired by the world of super yachts. Too bad we, we can't give you a better look at it, as Aston Martin's location and lighting choices in Geneva leave a lot to be desired. Or maybe they were trying to cover something, who knows. Anyway, back to the study. The nautical elements are mostly visible at the back, where the rear overhang has been overstretched. Has it? Oh my gosh, it has. Ugh. Sorry, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm really not a fan of overhang. Actually, like, really short overhang, especially if it's even. Take, like, the McLaren Senna, for example. The one thing I don't like on the Senna is that the front overhang is a lot is a lot more than the rear overhang. It just makes the car look so nose-heavy from the side, it's unbalanced. Anyway, back to the study. Oh, wait, no, we already said that. Elsewhere, the all-terrain concept has a clean exterior design with slender headlights, subtle creases, creases on the hood, sporty roofline, and light strip at the rear. It also features rear hinged back doors that, with the sections of the roof that open upwards, facilitate ingress and egress in a stylish way. This is a car that would be at home whisking someone straight from a glamorous red carpet event to a remote scientific research lab, said CEO Andy Palmer. It shows the bold possibilities for Lagonda and demonstrates how the company will push to expand horizons in every area, whether it be technology, design, or scope of travel. Lagonda's new concept car has room for up to four occupants inside. At the front, it has a digital instrument cluster integrated into the steering wheel, another small screen positioned right in front of the central armrest, and a rotary knob. 
Another rotary knob is found at the back between two individual seats that have been positioned way back to provide huge legroom. Because of the long side windows and above glass, the cabin has a very airy feel. The two front seats can be rotated to face the rear, thus creating a lounge. This can also be done on the go, as the all-terrain concept is equipped with an autonomous driving system. By using electromagnets, the car can float when placed in position between the two, between the two front seats. The all-terrain concept is fully electric with batteries mounted in the floor for better handling. Technical details haven't been released yet. Production of Lagonda vehicles will start in 2022 at the new St. Athan facility, sorry if I got that wrong, located in Wales. Let's see what this lighting situation. Oh my gosh, it's it's like Asmar trying to get tried to get gold lighting, and they kind of succeeded. They kind of succeeded, but yeah, that's really not good lighting uh, lighting conditions. Oof, just oof. Morgan Motor sells majority stake to in in Invendustrial Investment Group. What is Invendustrial? Because it's Invent Industrial. Invent Industrial Invest... Good grief. Just... No. Anyway. Tesla Model S shooting brake is something we'd like to see officially happening. I guess they, the guy who made it showed it at Geneva. DR3 EV is an Italian-Chinese electric crossover coming this year, and... Eh, not bad. StarTech's new Bentley Continental GT gets a striking makeover. StarTech's Aston Martin Vantage Tune doesn't mess with a good thing. This modified Aston Martin can now accelerate all the way to nearly 200 miles per hour. Brabus Ultimate E Shadow Edition is one expensive smart car, and I think we talked about it last week because it was 75000 Oh, yeah, we did talk about it last week because I said that that would probably be more than that V8 Signet that was, show, that, uh, was shown at Goodwood. And just so you know, mess... Now, I mean, I'd actually buy that, just because just it's so crazy. I don't like the look of it, but I'd buy that. I would buy that, even if it was 100000 I would buy that over that lame Brabus Ultimate E Shadow Edition. I would, every single day of the week. McLaren's 720S Spider is even more stylish than the Coupe. That is debatable. Matt's new Stratos is everything you could want from a reborn icon. Cheesy Swiss holes, there's a lot of deceptive exhaust in Geneva. Oh, dearie me, let's see. Alright, a bit more of an article than I thought. In the early days of automotive design, tailpipes were probably an afterthought. That hasn't been the case for a while, and automakers flaunt them as an indication of how powerful their vehicles are. That trend continues today, but seeing shouldn't necessarily result in believing. Case in point is this Mercedes-AMG GT63S. A quick look at the bumper shows what appears to be a four-tailpipe exhaust system, but a closer inspection reveals these are fakes, which cover a dual exhaust. I hate that so much. Mercedes doesn't just lie in one direction either, as a quick look at the AMG GTR Roadster suggests it has one massive central exhaust. However, a close inspection reveals there are two additional exhaust exhaust tips on either side. You see, and I've, I've even said, I said once before that even the Viper has a fake exhaust, the Gen 5. It's the bezel. But then I realized, wait a minute, that's a bezel. It's not actually... They didn't hide the side exhaust inside the bezel. They didn't do that. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, I just... I've just seen what they were talking about. So, it... The, the one central exhaust, which isn't really... It does have... It looks like it does have tips behind that. But it actually has exhaust tips... It would have four... 
it would have four exhaust tips because they come out the side in between the diffusers. But anyway, I you know I said that the Viper, I thought that the Viper had one. Well, no, it's a bezel because the the side exhaust in the Viper is very clearly there. That's just a stylus touch. So whether or not you still believe that's a fake exhaust tip, frankly, that's up to you. But they call you know everyone calls it you know the exhaust bezel. They don't call it that itself the exhaust. But anyway. Of course, there are worse examples out there, including the VW Golf variant. Wow, they called it the VW Golf variant. That is a terror. That is an absolute atrocity of it. That is a tra- that is a tragedy of a name. Anyway, which has a faux dual exhaust system, which is effectively black plastic surrounded by metallic trim. While it might look convincing at a distance, the actual exhaust is all on the driver's side and simply points down at the ground. The downward-facing exhaust is common on many on many. VW models, as it can be seen on the on the Arteon, Passat variant, terrible name, and Tiguan Allspace. Even the Audi Q5 hasn't been spared from the fakery. While deceptive, while deceptive exhausts are hardly new, they might become less common in the future. A number of automakers are working on electric cars, and these models won't need an exhaust, either real or fake. I, I just don't understand why these automakers, because they all make these fancy-looking exhausts and then have the real ones behind. I just... I guess it, it would be expensive to make the actual tips like that, and, you know, they're big gaping holes, but I'd rather that than fake exhaust tips with the real ones hidden behind. Because, good grief, it just looks so... It just looks so lazy otherwise. And, you know, I could kind of forgive it if it was on, say, like, the Golf, as much as that still sucks, but I could kind of forgive it on the Golf. You know, because that's that's a normal car. That's a normal car. It, it's not really going to matter whether or not that has... Well, I say it's not really going to matter. You know, it's a, it's a normal everyday car. You know, who really cares? You know, but on a luxury car, I can't forgive that. You can you can afford the expense to make the to make the actual exhaust the the you know the bumper mounted exhaust functional. You could act you know you could do that because that on a luxury car or something seriously expensive that's just cheap. And on something for a hundred thousand, you know, that's that level of not, and it's not even cost cutting, but that that level of cheapness just that shouldn't be there. That should not be there. Even on a Polo. There's one on a Polo. And again, I don't care. It's a Polo. But on a BMW 8 Series, now we have a problem. If I'm going to pay 80 plus grand, I want real exhaust. Morgan Plus 6 has an aluminum wood platform and a Supra Z4 engine. Yes, finally we have that new Morgan and it does have that engine and the body panels, I think, still have some wood construction in them. But that's still cool. We finally got a new Morgan. Anyway, I actually have to stop here because I went a little bit long. I will see you all after the break. More Geneva will be coming, and I think it's going to be the only thing because of how much Geneva there is to cover. Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. We are back! Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 1941 can almost be your yellow submarine. Pininfarina's insane Batista... 
Batista is an electric 1,874 rocket gunning for glory. And yes, we're going to talk more about it. Europe's 2019 Mitsubishi L200 adopts new family face, which isn't that great, and a 2.2 liter turbo diesel. GFG-style kangaroo is an electric hyper SUV. It is not an SUV. With 483 horsepower. No. How are you going to call that a hyper SUV? Firstly, it's not in the shape of an SUV. Secondly, a Jeep, a Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Trackhawk makes more horsepower than that. I'm not saying that that's not a lot of horsepower. An SRT, a normal SRT Grand Cherokee is fast. But this is just a high-riding supercar with 400-something horsepower. And that's not bad. But that's not, that's not a hyper SUV at all. Something, look, if there was a Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk that weighed something like 44,200 pounds and could do 210 miles per hour, that, that would be a hyper SUV. 2020 BMW M340i loaded with M performance parts gets even closer to the M3. After the Corvette, Eden Green coach builds a ghostly Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce. Good grief. Anyway, um, uh, the car just looks, it looks very flabby. It looks very, it has a lot of excess metal, to put it that way. Toyota Corolla GR Sport and Corolla Trek join the model's European family. And let's see, what, oh my gosh. I mean, I almost like it, because it's like, you know, it's like old Rolls Royces. That was a Corvette? I don't think that's a Corvette, but anyway, yeah, I'm not a fan. There's just, there's too much excess body. Because the thing that's, that is so, the thing that makes those older cars look so good to me is how thin the, is how, to say this weirdly, but how thin the metal, just how thin the body looks. It's just, there's no excess anywhere. It's gorgeous, it's organic, it's fluid. And this looks like it's trying to emulate that. But it's like, it's like when there's fat on a steak. That's what that's like. That's what this looks like. Whereas those classic... You know, the classic old Rolls Royces and Bugattis and stuff like that, like the Type 57. That's just lean, straight, 100% USDA meat. And not necessarily USDA, but you, you, get, you get my point. That is lean. It's absolutely lean. This is just the fattiest steak I've ever seen on the face of the earth. This, this is what would happen if McDonald's served steaks. And you could get them at a drive-thru. That, that's what this would... That's what that's a visual representation of. McDonald's steaks, if they ever sold one. If they ever if they ever bothered to sell them, I should say. But yeah, not great. Because the the black I don't even the black cullinan, is that what it's called? That looks pretty good. That looks pretty good to me. I like it. And even more because like the arrow eights. Looks great. Anyway, I've I've rambled enough. Because I for, I kind of forgot the point I was gonna make to end that. But anyway, McLaren 600 LT Spider might be might be Geneva's most fun to drive supercar. Zembo brings TSRS hypercar to Geneva in Grotti Oruza Blue. 2020 Mercedes GLC facelift is a firm believer of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 2020 Mitsubishi ASX slash Outlander Sport reveals comprehensive makeover. Is it, is it just a makeover as in facelift or... And also, if you guys have been paying any sorts of attention, Aston Martin have, actually, have absolutely blown it away. Well, And it, there's a lot to go through for Aston. Aston Martin Vanquish Vision Concept is a McLaren 720SM Ferrari F8 Tributo rival. I, I said this once to someone on Drive Tribe, basically a better car throttle. But Tributo sounds like an Italian vitamin supplement. I get that it's Tribute, but Tributo, that's not a good name. It, it's, it's, to me, it's a very, it's a very uh, 
not clumsy. But it just doesn't roll off the tongue in a very elegant or smooth way, like Berlinetta, Italia, uh, super fast, although that one's kind of lame. It's just very, very clunky. Tributo. Or tri... Yeah, tributo. It's just... Eh. Again, it sounds like an Italian vitamin supplement. It, so it sounds like Arc Fox ECF. ECF. I, I almost messed that up. A Chinese SUV concept designed by Walter De Silvia. I don't know who that is, but this doesn't look that bad. Bugatti La Vertura Nure. I probably got that wrong. Very, very wrong. In fact, let me look it up on Google Translate. So I figured it out. It's the Bugatti La Vechunua. That might sound really exotic with the way that I'm saying it, but it apparent it. <laughs> If Google and Yandex translate or anything to believe, it literally translates into the black car. The black car. Who at Bugatti? Who at Bugatti was like, oh yeah, you know what, this is La Vechunua. Sounds really exotic. Despite the fact I know exactly what it means, it means the black car. Let's just, let's do it anyway. Let's do it anyway. Let's name this car that. And hey, to their credit, it is a black car. But no mess, Sherlock. You can see it in the photos. Levee Tour Noir sounds really sounds kind of sounds kind of fancy. You know, very French. The black car that ruins any kind of allure that the name has. Any kind of name. Levee Tour Noir. Good. And I don't even think I'm saying it completely right. Let me let me listen to that once more. Levee Tour Noir. <laughs> God help me. Levee Tour Noir. The, the Bugatti Lavoie Le, Tour Noir is the world's most expensive new car at 16.7 million euros, I guess? Which is, I mean, that's worse than, that's worse than the La Ferrari, which also translated into the Ferrari, the Ferrari, or Ferrari, the Ferrari. This is Bugatti the Black Car. <laughs> it's not Bugatti the Black Death or anything like that, or, you know, Bugatti, you know, whatever the French root for treat. French word for, you know, hold on, give me a second, uh, can I type here? Nope, okay, uh, I need to go French to English instead. But whatever the French word, you know, whatever the French word for tribute is, homage, okay? Homage is apparently the French word for tribute. So it's not, it's not Bugatti homage type 57. So tribute type 57 or anything like that, it's the black car. Oh my gosh. Bugatti has teased a modern-day Type 57 SC Atlantic, and uh, La Voiture Noire has just broken has just broken cover, <laughs> cover, <laughs> broken cover. Though it's not exactly new, it's I guess a heavily rebodied Chiron. Unveiled during the 2019 Geneva Motor Show, is described as the ultimate GT by CEO Stephen Stephen, sorry, Winkleman, and builds on the Chiron, to which it adds a custom and very impressive bodywork. The French word for is the black car. Is a La Voiture Noire. Oh, wait, no. How is that? They misspelled it. Anyway, La Voiture Noire is, a, is French for the black car. A reminiscence of the Type 57 SC Atlantic, says Bugatti. And best describes the, the glossy black finish chosen for the handcrafted carbon fiber bodywork. Nothing disturbs the optical flow. The bumpers are integrated, integrated into the body. That is the dumbest name on the man. Anyway, because I got interrupted. The bumpers are integrated into the body, and the window design was inspired by a helmet visor, with the windscreen appearing to flow seamlessly into the side windows. There are no surprises in the engine compartment, as power comes from Bugatti's 8-liter quad-turbo W16. 
It pushes out 1,479 horsepower and 1,180 pound-feet of torque. Identical to the one used in the Chiron Devo, and bearing witness to its incredible power are the six tailpipes located at the rear. The Levoix Tunois has become the most expensive new car of all time. After it was sold for $16.7 million, or $18.9 million, tax included, if previous reports are correct, the man who purchased it is the former VW Group chairman Ferdinand Peach, according, sorry, adding it to his, ex, to his extensive collection that includes several high-end machines, including Le Mans racers. And look, don't get me wrong, the car looks epic. I don't think it's long hood, I don't think it's, the proportions aren't like the Type 7 Atlantic, Type Type 57 SC Atlantic enough for my liking, and that is to say long hood short deck, but it does look absolutely epic, and I'm glad that I'm glad that the Veyron died so that we can now get stuff like this. I'm very glad for that. These just look, these Bugattis look incredible. Absolutely incredible. They're just outstanding. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going over the pictures. That's why you hear the clicking uh, as, much as, as much as you probably are. But yeah, crazy, 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 crazy. On to far more boring news. New Subaru Forester e-boxer debuts mild hybrid powertrain. Hispano Suza Carmen is a retro-futuristic EV with over 1,000 horsepower. BAIC's Arc Fox GT stocks Geneva in both street and track spec with up to 1,632 horsepower. 603 horsepower Peak Mark Zero Electric GT does 0 to 100 miles per hour in 3.2 seconds. New Italo design concept pays homage, there's that word, to Leonardo da Vinci. I don't see it. Kia to launch eSoul in Europe this month with up to 280 miles of range. 2020 VW Passat Variant R-Line Edition is inconspicuous in a good way. I kind of I kind of disagree because the gray that they've... I mean, it's gray, yeah, but that's kind of, that's an interesting gray. BMW... And I don't say that about a lot of grays at all. BMW's M50i Night Sky is something you can definitely stare at. New Mercedes-AMG GTR Roadster. Spring is coming. Imagine by Kia concept is Geneva's biggest troll. China's always... No... Iways, a a Iways, U5 all-electric SUV is bound for Europe. Citroen Ami One concept is like a 2CV from the future. Koenigsegg stuns the world with new 300 mile per hour Jesco hypercar. Bentley Continental GT number nine by Mulliner pays tribute to Blower Le Mans racer. McLaren MSO unveils 720S Spider with unique tritone color scheme. Pal V Liberty Pioneer Edition flying car will set you back. Five hundred and ninety-nine thousand, I suppose, dollars, and they're only gonna make ninety of them. So, yeah. <laughs> good grief, this is a lot of reading. <laughs> Concept five hundred eight Peugeot Sport engineered. <laughs> These names, man. These names is a shark clawed feline awaiting release. Sounds like sounds like a headline you draw. You you come up for some kind of Hellcat release or something. Like a, I don't know, like a Charger, like a Chrysler 300 Prowler. Prowler would be their name for, for you know, a Hellcat Power 300. The Chrysler 300 Prowler. That, that's great. The Chrysler 300 Prowler. <laughs> hold on, hold on, honey, I need to warm up the Prowler. Kind of, kind of like Jag. I guess not as good, but still. Anyway, well, okay. What's this Imagine by Kia thing? I thought it was going to be... Like a more, like a far more luxurious Stinger. I'm very, very, very disappointed. Very, very disappointed I am. 
True concept cars are meant to inspire the imagination, to challenge convention, and to be as original, daring, and emotion-driven as an automobile can be. At first glance, the imagined by Kia seems to fit the description. But while it's definitely daring and fresh, blurring the lines between SUV, SUVs, sedans, and crossovers, it might as well be the first concept car that trolls other, auto, other car makers. Ever since Tesla slapped a giant 17-inch tablet on the dash of the Model S in 2012, automakers took notice and gradually implemented larger displays in their new vehicles. Kia believes this trend has reached this trend has reached ridiculous proportions, and its Geneva Motor Show design study is the company's way of telling the auto industry how it feels about it. The concept features no fewer than 21 individual ultra-high-resolution screens inside. Thank God I'm not the only one that thinks we don't need 20-inch screens in cars. These 21 incredibly thin screens are a humorous and irreverent repost. I think I got that wrong to the ongoing competition between some automotive manufacturers to see who can produce the car with the biggest screen. Says Ralph Kludge, sorry if I got your name wrong, Kia Motors, Europe's, somebody S's, general manager of interior design. The displays are arranged like a deck of cards on the dash, in a layout that is at the same time both casual and coordinated, or coordinated, according to the car maker. Kudos to Kia for signaling other car makers that some of them have gone too far with the screen frenzy. Nevertheless, the screen wall is highly functional, effectively creating a single unified display from the driver's point of view. Kia isn't sending mixed messages here. It's underpinned by Kia's first bespoke electric vehicle platform. As you can imagine, the Korean company didn't go through the trouble of building a concept car just to tease out the car makers. In fact, Imagine by Kia brings forward a more progressive Kia design language for the future. According to the car maker, the company, the concept features intelligent reinterpretations of existing Kia motifs and a bodywork char characterized by a blend of tautly drawn sheet metal, crisp, crisp lines, and efficient aerodynamics. Penned by Kia Europe's design center in Frankfurt, the study envisions a four-door all-electric C-segment model that features an airy and spacious interior. Obviously, we won't see something like this on the road, but Imagine by Kia does hint at interior and exterior elements that future production models could adopt, such as the Tiger Mask front light signature. It's a statement more than anything else, and the fact that Kia didn't reveal much about the bespoke electric platform that underpins the concept only strengthens that impression. All the automaker said is that the vehicle features a low-mounted, induction-charged battery pack that powers a compact drivetrain. I like the face. I really, really like the face. I'm just disappointed that it wasn't the, the sports sedan that I thought it was going to be. Rear end, eh, not, not something I prefer, but whatever. There's a lot of exterior shots, but I'm not seeing all that many interior interior shots not many that are worthwhile i should say there we go wow that that's actually kind of beautiful still definitely overkill but it's almost it's almost like shards of glass that is overkill though. good grief anyway the dr3 not not that interesting I, I was gonna talk about it but i was like you know what meh anyway gotta stop here i will see you all after the break are you uninsured or underinsured can't afford the high premiums of health insurance would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303 dash 576 0670. 
Our plans are available in 42 states. We are back for the final time. Let's talk about... Wow, I haven't even gotten to the Astons yet. All right. Normally, if you guys didn't know, normally I use car scoops to find all the news and do that stuff. But considering I still haven't gotten to the Astons yet, let's... Uh, I'm going to have to... Good grief. I'm going to have to... Um, we're going to have to go to road and track this time and see if we can find that information. We haven't even gotten to the new Coingtech. We haven't even gotten to the new Coingtech. That's how much news I have to do. For now, we're just going to talk about that Pininfarina. Pininfarina Automobile, I think that's how it said, has managed to bring one of the most intriguing hypercars at this year's Geneva Motor Show in the form of the new electric Batista. Compared to the other hypercars of the Swiss show, the new Batista looks elegant, beautifully proportioned, and dare we say finished yes some of the lines on the outside do resemble a mid-engine ferrari but this is pininfarina we're talking about and the end result is pretty appealing visually and while the pininfarina batista might not attack your eyeballs as viciously as let's say a coinset gesto jesco which is that new coins that we were talking about or that bugatti i all i love the that was that it i forgot already it's special drop here jaw on the floor the full carbon Monocoque chassis features four electric motors, each mounted behind a wheel, for a combined output of 1,874 horsepower and 1,696 pound-feet of torque, making the Batista the most powerful road legal car on the planet once it arrives in 2020. The four electric motors, which also provide real torque vectoring, are fed by a T-shaped 120-kilowatt lithium-ion battery pack that's mounted within the central tunnel and behind the seats. If this sounds familiar, it's because the whole powertrain is shared with Rimac the company that pioneered the whole electric hypercar trend. Pininfarina reckons that the Batista is capable of 0 to 60, 0 to 62 anyway, in under 2 seconds, but more impressively, a 0 to 186 in under 12 seconds. For reference, McLaren expects the speed tail to hit 186 miles per hour from a standstill in 12.8 seconds. Top speed is quoted at 217 miles per hour. Is that, is that from speed tail or this? Anyway, less important figures for a hypercar include driving ranges of up to 280 miles, that's pretty good, and the ability for DC fast charging. Electrification unlocks the door to, unlocks the door to a new level of performance and a zero emissions future. Whilst a passion and respect for automotive history will define how this landmark car looks and feels, said Automobile Pininfarina CEO Michael per Perchesk. Sorry, I got your name wrong. We aim for the Batista to be a future classic and automotive icon, writing its own page in automotive history books. Only 150 will be made. Pininfarina plans to produce by hand no more than 150 examples of the Batista in Italy, each priced from around 2.5 million. The production run will be allocated equally between the regions of North America, Europe, and Middle East Asia, which translates into 50 cars per region. Citroen's space tour Citroenist concept is, le is leisure is leisure focused. Bespoke Rolls Royce Phantom brings tranquility to bustling Geneva Motor Show. Tata Motors unveils Ultra, Super Mini, and H2X concept. All new 2019 Ssangyong Corando attacks Europe's compact SUV, SUV subject. David Brown displays Speedback GT in Geneva yet again. That that got forgotten. I kind of wish they'd get somewhere, get somewhere further with it. Because I, I really like the looks of it. Renault Alaskan Ice Edition concept is ready for Arctic adventures. Cooper Atika Special Edition gets custom black and copper detailing. Nissan to launch e-power models with range extender in Europe by 2022. 2020 Mercedes-Benz SL500 Grand Tour Edition is for the is for the classy buyer. All right, let us talk about 
the Astons. This is the AMRB003, Aston Martin's mid-engine hypercar. Previously known as the Project 003, it uses Valkyrie Tech and an in-house designed turbocharged hybrid V6 powertrain. Aston Martin has been teasing us for months about its upcoming mid-engine hypercar to follow the Valkyrie. Now, we finally get to see it in full. This is the, R the AMRB003. Packing a mid-mounted turbocharged V6 hybrid powertrain, it's set to go into production in 2021 with a limited run of 500 units. Aston Martin says the, o the 003 is heavily influenced by the Valkyrie, using much of the same technology and fundamental design cues. The fascia and profile lines are similar, though the 003's overall shape is less severe than the Valkyrie. The design isn't as, shall we say, extreme in some areas, but it pushes just as hard in others, and is even taking certain ideas and concepts a step further, Miles Numberger, director of design, said in a press release. The most interesting part has got to be the rear wing. Let's see it. We can barely see it. It's equipped with something called flex foil a NASA-validated aerospace tech that promises leaps in aerodynamic performance. Here's how Aston Martin explains it. The system allows for the car's downforce to be changed without changing the physical angle of the entire element, resulting in a seamless design with high performance, improved efficiency, and reduced wind noise. Turbulence and the associated drag increase found in current state-of-the-art active wing designs is virtually eliminated too. While the exterior is certainly a treat to look at, it's inside the cockpit where the differences between this and the Valkyrie become clear. The 003's passenger, passenger compartment is larger and more accommodating, with space behind the seats for luggage, a center console, and even a place to mount your phone on the dash. Why doesn't every car have this? I mean, you could kind of call that cup holders, but whatever. There's also a racing-inspired steering wheel full of vehicle controls and a display screen in the hub. Also note the cool wing-shaped paddle, paddle shifters. I don't really see them. Probably hard to see in that photo. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that is cool. This interior is just gorgeous. Aston Martin hasn't disclosed many performance specs on this upcoming hypercar. It actually looks a lot more like a supercar due to its size and proportions to me. Actually, no, I take it back. I was a moron. But the automaker revealed that the new turbocharged V6 was fully designed in-house. It will use Kestrel's Nexcel 90-second oil change system, which was first tested on the track on the track-only Vulcan. The 003 will be the first production road car to use the system. Expect to see the first 003s on the road in late 2021, but don't expect it to keep the name like the Valkyrie. The numerical designation is only for internal purposes, and a more memorable name will be revealed soon. It's not going to be called the Valhalla, but that's also a pretty pretty great name. Next is the S. Martin Vanquish. Or, yeah, the S. Martin Vanquish returns as a mid-engine Ferrari fighter. The Vanquish name returns, attached to a mid-engine V6 supercar that's laser-aimed at Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren. Aston Martin is, a, is really a mid-engine car company now. It's, it's doing mid-engine hypercars with both the Valkyrie and the just-revealed AMRB003. Now, it's getting into the mid-engine supercar business, too. At the 2019 Geneva Motor Show today, or at the time, because this is after... Aston surprised everyone with the Vanquish Vision concept, a preview of what will be the brand's first mid-end production performance car. Yes, the Vanquish name is coming back, attached to a supercar that will be laser-aimed at Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren. It arrives in production form in 2022. Unlike the Valkyrie and AM003, however, the Vanquish won't use a carbon fiber chassis. 
instead built on a bonded aluminum, aluminum structure. It will, however, share its V6 with the AMRV003. Though the Vanquish won't use the same hybrid system, it may not be a hybrid at all. It's also quite beautiful. In a press release, Aston Martin Design Director Miles Nuremberger, I am so sorry, Nuremberger, said that the automaker tried to make something more traditionally pretty compared to the functional, severe shape of the Valkyrie and the AMRB003. And let me tell you, they absolutely succeeded. This is better looking than the 720S, better looking than, I think, pretty much all for us. This is a painfully beautiful car. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And the green, mm, so good. It's less provocative and more classical in its look, Nuremberger said. Its beauty comes from a shape in emphasis from the aggressive, function-driven services of, Aston Martin, of the Aston Martin Valkyrie and AMRB003, to more flowing and sensuous forms, while retaining a resolute athleticism and modernity. We suspect it will be a joy to drive as well. Max, can't pronounce your last name, sir, Chief Technical Officer at Aston Martin, was previously head of body engineering at Ferrari. Matt Becker, Aston Martin's chief engineer, cut his teeth at Lotus, where he helped create some of the finest handling mid-engine sports cars in the world. And Chris Goodwin, Becker's right-hand man, was McLaren's chief test driver up to, to up till up until 2017. Talk about a team who knows mid-engine cars. We'll have to wait until 2022 for the new Vanquish, but we've got a feeling it'll be well worth it. The supercar establishment would would be wise to prepare itself. And lastly, the Koenigsegg Jesko has 1,600 horsepower and promises a 300 mile per hour top speed. It also has a nine-speed gearbox with seven clutches. According to Christian von Koenigsegg, founder of the supercar company that, that bears his name, the Jesko is probably the last Koenigsegg without some form of electrification. Yet it should still have enough power and downforce to surpass 300 miles per hour. And even though it's the successor to the car that's already the fastest car in the world, the Segera RS replacement is a clean sheet design. It's built around a longer chassis, hiding a heavily upgraded V8 that makes 1600 horsepower when it's running on E85, and a 9-speed gearbox with 7 clutches, the likes of which we've never seen before. But perhaps most surprisingly to Christian, the Jesco is named after his father, who, in a time of great need, poured his life savings into the Koenigsegg car company. Now 80 years old, and as active as ever, Jesko von Koenigsegg has every reason to be proud of what his son and family have achieved. From humble beginnings 25 years ago, Koenigsegg Automotive is now a juggernaut in the hypercar world. So forget the internal code, code name Ragnarok and say hi to the Koenigsegg Jesko. You'll find that it's more than worthy of the name. Koenigsegg will build 125 Jeskos in two variants. A track-focused version you see here is designed to produce more than 3,000 pounds of downforce with Koenigsegg's revolutionary tri triplex suspension at the front and rear. The low-drag Jesko version is more road-friendly, is a more road-friendly machine with a standard front suspension that leaves enough room in the front trunk to stow the removable target roof. And good news! No matter which spec you choose, the Jesko will be homologated worldwide, unlike, say, some other extreme performance cars that aren't road, le road legal in certain nations. We've talked about how special the Koenigsegg V8 is before. From its last appearance before Koenigsegg goes electrified and camels across the board, the team has really gone the extra mile. You get 1,280 horsepower on pump gas, or 1,600 horsepower on E85. That's partly because the Jesko's V8 has a flat plane, V8 has a flat plane crank that weighs just 25 
27.5 pounds, milled from a solid steel billet in southern, in southern Sweden to reduce the vibration you'd get from a flat plane. Oh, wait, no. So, to reduce the vibration you'd get from a flat plane crank engine while it approaches 8,500 RPM, Koenigsegg's engine architect, Dr. Thomas Johansson, came up with the new super light connecting rods, connecting rods that are made from an ultra-strong Swedish steel alloy. Including the bolts, they weigh 19 pounds, which makes them exactly as light as the titanium rods of the Regera engine, but even stronger. Then, there's the pistons. They weigh 0.63 pounds each, with a ceramic-coated surface that happens to be the strongest in production. As a result, they can take a crazy amount of pressure while allowing the long stroke V8 to rev to 8,500 RPM. The Jesco may not be, may not use Koenigsegg's canless free valve heads, but the ones it has are cast by Formula One suppliers Granger and Warall, with an extra tumble valve on the intake side to increase turbulence in the air-fuel mix. Koenigsegg's even larger turbos would mean even more lag, but the Jesco's engine features a but the Jesco's engine features a clever system that uses pressurized air to spool up the compressor wheels and heat up the catalytic converters more quickly on cold start. In principle, the system is similar to the one used on Volvo's Power Pulse diesel, but Koenigsegg came up with a patent-pending turbo, turbo housing design. With pressurized air stored in a carbon fiber tank and blasted into the turbos at up to 290 PSI. And with the catalytic converters reaching operating temperature in no time, this twin-turbo Koenigsegg V8 will comply with future global emission standards planned for as far away as 2026. More air demands more fuel, so the engine now sports three fuel injectors per cylinder. The third injector lives in the intake plenum, or plenum, squirting in fuel directly above the intake runner for each cylinder. The extra blip of fuel also cools the cylinder, making for a cleaner combustion and less strain on the engine at the top of the power range. Koenigsegg also threw an individual in-cylinder pressure sensors, a first for road cars. This allows the in-house designed engine management system to monitor and control each cylinder at maximum efficiency. All this results in 1,106 pound-feet of torque to accompany your 1,280 pump gas horses. Wow, this is long. The gearbox is like nothing you've ever seen. If you thought the Regera's direct drive system was nuts, buckle up for what Koenigsegg calls the Lightspeed Gearbox. The LST has 9 forward gears and 7 wet multi-disc multi -disc clutches, yet at 198 pounds, complete with all fluids, clutches, oil pumps, and the starter motor and flywheel, it weighs significantly less than the average dual-clutch transmission. It's also half as long as Koenigsegg's, pre as Koenigsegg's previous 7-speed, with a two-stage shifting method that allows for nearly instant gear changes. And yes, the Jesco even has a gear stick, uh, sort of. Koenigsegg says they developed the tr th this transmission to have ultimate power on demand, and thanks to the simultaneous engaging and disengaging of those clutches, it offers, it offers near light-speed gear changes both up and down. That's because, unlike a one-gear-at-a-time conventional DCT, which tries to predict your desires by pre-selecting the next gear, the LCT can jump to any forward gear immediately, even as far away as five, even as far as five gears away. With the LST7 clutches and the V8's anti-lag system, Koenigsegg says there's absolutely no drop in torque as you accelerate through the gears. To get the most out of this design, the light-speed transmission uses a two-stage control. Both the paddles and the central shift lever have notched mechanisms. A light pull lets you upshift or downshift to the next ratio. Pull further, and you'll unleash 
the ultimate power on demand mode. The the ultimate power on demand mode, where the system determines the optimum power, the optimum gear for maximum acceleration or deceleration, and engages that gear immediately. The Jesco comes with a short throw stick shift of sorts in addition to the paddles because, hey, why not? The Jesco's monocoque is 1.57 inches longer and 0.86 inches taller than the Regera, giving you more headroom and legroom. It's also as rigid as the F1 style pre pre carbon fiber would suggest, measured at 47,941 pound per degree. Basically, that's very stiff. Once inside, what's really new is the steering wheel display and controls. The wheel itself is still made of carbon fiber, now sporting an integrated central touchscreen whose display graphics stay level even as the screen rotates with the wheel. Additionally, there are two small configurable touchscreens at your fingertips, which work just like any swipe-capable surface, programmable for, programmable for future functions as they become available. With the hydraulics already in place, the Jesco also features the auto skin upgrade introduced with the Regera, where the car can automatically open and close all its doors and hatches on command. The redesigned dihedral synchro helix doors now open slightly further outwards and upwards to make things easier when parked by a high curb. The auto skin system also includes sensors to protect, to protect the automated doors from opening into other objects. Christian von Koenigsegg's final touch is an analog G-force meter located in front of the driver where the instrument panel would normally be. This handmade piece is a nod to Gadget Geeks and perhaps fighter jet pilots. Oh man, I'm not even done. Not even near done! I mean, we're three quarters of the way there, but good grief. Yeah, this is gonna be long. The exterior design is the work of Joachim Nordwall, sorry if I got your name wrong. But since Koenigsegg believes this car will be capable of over 300 miles per hour with its 1600 ethanol fed horses, most of the Jesco's shapes were necessarily drawn with the help of a wind tunnel. Helping the car, helping the car stick is Koenigsegg's deepest front splitter yet, with active flaps behind it, an equally substantial rear diffuser, and the largest top mounted active boomerang shaped, shaped wing allowed by the law. Even the rear, rear view mirrors help, adding 44 pounds of downforce just in the wing mirrors. In total, the Jesco makes 1,763 pounds of downforce at 155 miles per hour, raising to 2,200 pounds at 170, and maxing out at 3,086 pounds at speeds we can only guess. But as mentioned above, the car is geared to achieve or exceed 300 miles per hour with 30% more downforce than the 1 to 1 has. Of course, too much downforce could break a car, not the Jesco. Thanks to a monocoque which uses carbon fiber and aluminum sandwich construction, carbo-aluminum construction with integrated fuel tanks and rollover bars and reinforcements made of the strongest fiber in the world, Dynama. Bolted to all that is the triplex suspension system, which Koenigsegg developed for the Agera in 2010. This system adds a third horizontally oriented damper to the middle of the suspension, keeping the car level without compromising grip. Previous Koenigseggs only featured the triplex designs at the rear but the high downforce Jesco as the triplex design up front, along with a huge air scoop where the roof storage space used to be. Koenigsegg also used, uses the industry's longest front and rear wish, wishbones, enlarged wheel bearings in lightweight housings, and adjustable dampers manufactured by Olin's and further customized with self-developed de self electronics at the Koenigsegg factory. With their adjustable bump and rebound damping, as well as spring ratio and ride height, these dampers work perfectly with Koenigsegg's own traction and stability control programs. 
The Jesco is also equipped with the Regera's active engine mounts, which give comfort at low speeds and stiffen up for hard driving. Together with the rear axle steering, this setup promises outstanding hand handling in a straight line and around corners. Koenigsegg even spared a thought for track day, for track day enthusiasts. The Jesco's front and rear clamshells are split down the middle to make it easier to replace crunched body panels. The Jesco uses Michelin Pilot Sport Cup 2 tires as standard, or Pilot Sport Cup 2Rs if you promise to keep them dry at all times. The latter have a 10% larger contact patch and stiffer sidewalls. The sticky rubber is stretched over larger wheels. Koenigsegg offers both a forced aluminum and a hollow carbon fiber wheel design. 20 by 9.5 inches up front, 20, 21 by 12 out back, sorry, and 21 by 12 out back. Despite being larger than before, the newly designed carbon fiber wheels weigh just 13 pounds up front, 16.3 pounds at the rear. With these carbon fiber wheels fitted, carbon... Koenigsegg was able to bless the Jesco with its largest carbon ceramic brakes ever. From 0 to 250 to 0 again, again, and again, and again. Jesko von Koenigsegg picked up horse racing through his father, who bred and raced horses as a gentleman jockey. Jesko himself spent 20 years as a successful amateur jockey, so it's fitting that the first Koenigsegg Jesko is finished in white with green accents the colors worn by the jockeys of the Koenigsegg stables. Not unlike Lord March of Goodwood, Christian von Koenigsegg never caught the horse racing book. He prefers his horsepower to be gasoline-fueled. But we think the elder Koenigsegg will find much to enjoy in his son's automotive tribute. And that is going to be it, because this, this is a very long podcast. I hope you all enjoyed I think, I don't know, maybe more, more Geneva stuff will be coming. It depends on how much more interesting stuff there is. I hope you all enjoyed the next podcast will will be coming on the fifteenth, uh, because obviously that you know that's the anniversary. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. I will see you soon. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars. If I'm being honest, if you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Car C O N U N D R M or check out my website www.codyscarconundrum.com for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.